Greetings. How are you doing today? How's February treating you so far? Um, if you're listening to this in real time, I guess this is like pre-Valentine's Day week. This is coming out on the 7th. So I hope you have someone and something wonderful to do next week for Valentine's Day. I myself am planning some things with some of my women friends, uh, also known as Galentine's Day. But we are not doing it on the actual Valentine's Day because it's just a little weird that way. <laughs> so last week I focused on verbal communication skills to enhance promotability. And as promised, this week I'm covering the written communication skills. Again, with that same purpose and to be <laughs> to, to give it away, the way that you enhance the promotability is going to be the same as with the verbal communication skills. I'll talk about that again at the end. Once again, I want to start with an assessment. These are really great questions that you can ask yourself. And then based on your responses, come up with a 90-day action plan to improve uh, the area that you select. And I think you're going to get some good ideas on how to do that in the prompts that I have uh, coming up here. So number one, how well can I anticipate and predict possible causes for written confusion and miscommunication? And how good am I at dealing with them up front? So this is sort of anticipating what the reader will glean from what you're trying to say. Will they get the message? Will it be conveyed appropriately? Can I anticipate that and fix it before it goes out? Number two, how often do recipients fully understand my messages, emails, or other documents? Do I give enough information in detail? Do I give too much information in detail so that the most important thing is kind of lost in the mud? Number three, can I use communication platforms such as email to quickly and efficiently communicate complex issues? And if not, what's the what's my challenge there with something like email? Where, where am I challenged? And then number four, do people often misunderstand my messages? And am I often surprised that they don't understand what I've written? So the first question had to do with anticipating problems that they might have with miscommunicating what you're trying to say. And then if, if, if number four is, does it often happen that people misunderstand what I'm trying to say? And am I surprised about that? Do I not, when they point out to me, I thought you meant this, do I not have the ability to look at what I wrote and realize where they came to that conclusion. So number one, how well can I anticipate and predict possible causes for written communication and miscommunications? And then how good am I in dealing with them up front? Number two, how often do recipients fully understand my messages, emails, or other documents? Do I give enough information in detail? Number three, can I use communication platforms such as email to quickly and efficiently communicate complex issues? And number four, do people often misunderstand my messages? And am I often surprised that they don't understand? So let's review the four steps that I talked about last week uh, to the communication process, but with the spin on them uh, that they are specifically for written communication. So number one is going to be the words that you write. So what shows up on the paper, which can be affected by correct word usage. Uh, how many of us, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to call you a liar, have gotten a written correspondence, whether it was an email or a, a memo or a, a whatever it is, 
and you were confused because the writer didn't use the correct words, mis misused words, and you were confused. This can also be affected by punctuation. Uh, you know, the old expression of let's eat, comma, grandma is very different from let's eat grandma. So those that punctuation, <laughs> I love the I love the meme that I've seen that says punctuation saves lives. And then also context. So are there context clues within what you write that is going to support and help the reader understand? So number one is the words that you write. Then what happens is what you meant by those words. And this can be more challenging without the visual cue. So if you think about when you are verbally communicating, they're looking at, and we, we talked about this last week, and I don't remember the exact numbers, 7% of what you say is the actual words that you use. And if you think about it here, that's going to be all they have is the words. They're not, they're not being able to rely on tone, nonverbal cues, and all of those things that you do with verbal communication. So I think you have to be even obviously more careful about what you write even than what you say. A, because it doesn't have those other cues and also because what you write is there forever. Then we have the words the receiver hears or reads, I should say. So this has to do with the reader's facility with the language. Is there a language barrier? Is there some sort of a, it could be, you know, they are an international person, but it could also be there from another part of the country where what you are saying has a different context. It could also have to do with eyesight and ability to, to see what's on the page. This is something that may sound like duh, but this is something that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis with people's resumes, because often the resumes that come to me when a client sets up a consult, the print, the font is so small that it is painful, quite frankly, to read and just very, it's very off-putting to try to tackle it. They've put, and the other piece of that is when the print is so small, oftentimes, there's too much print on the page. There's not a, enough white space to make it visually inviting to read. And then also it can have to do with the device that it is being read on. So, you know, is there is there a problem because they're trying to read it on a, a, an iPhone or they're trying to read it on a tablet? What's the what's the you know, the medium that they are choosing to read it on? And then finally, what the receiver makes those words mean. And this can be affected by cultural differences. It can be affected by experience, right? So you bring up a topic that they've had a negative experience with in the past, and that could trigger them to think negative thoughts or not receive your message in the way it was intended. And it can also have to do with your their thoughts about you. Um, I think we can all think of people in our work life, whether it's our current job or jobs that we've had in the past, where just when that person starts speaking, they we automatically kind of mentally roll our eyes because we don't have a good impression of that person and we don't think highly of what they say. Well, we're going to have that same kind of reaction in all likelihood when they write something to us as well. So we have four types of written communication, and I think it's important to go over these. And it's also very important for you as you are writing something to think about what is the purpose of this writing, not just the purpose in terms of they need to know about this new rule, but the purpose of I'm trying to convey information. I'm going to go over those four with you here in a minute. But knowing that up front helps you to write appropriately and also make sure that you make it clear 
to the reader what the intended response is. And I'm going to give those responses for each four, all four of these. So the first type of written communication is informational. You are conveying information to someone or it could be a group of people who need to know that information. And in this case, there is no response required. And you can say that in the email. Uh, certainly, if you're not asking a question, there is nothing you know, in, implied, don't need you to respond, just wanted you to know. What they may respond with, however, is acknowledgement that they received it, or they may have a question, which is absolutely, they should email you if they have a question. So that's informational. The next one is instructional. And in this case, you are educating someone about something they need to know, or again, it could be a group of people. And the same thing here, no response is required, except they may choose to acknowledge that they received it. They may have questions. The next one is transactional. You are conveying something to someone else with the expectation of a response. So this is two-way communication. And the mistake that many people make with this type of communication is that they don't clearly convey that a response is requested and they don't ask the question that they want an answer on. You know, so my my rule of thumb is I'm going to ask them up front, hey, I'm working on this project and I want to get wanted to get your feedback about this introductory paragraph. Please let me know um, you know, what you think it says and and if if you have any if there's any confusion about how I've expressed it. Something like that. I'm being very, very clear. And then I'm probably going to bring that around again at the end. Um, once again, what I'm looking for from you is and then the final one is persuasive. And this is you communicating the benefits of a product. It could be a service. It could be a person or it could be an idea to elicit a specific response. And in most cases, you're going to be wanting this person to buy the thing, buy the service or product. This is the kind of um, communication that you would get for a political candidate. And in this case, you would want them to vote for your candidate. And this type of communication always requires a clear call to action. You are explicitly saying, you know, vote for John Smith on September 7th. Now let's dig into specific written communication issues that you may have and ways to improve. And I've come up with two primary ones. And the first one has to do with grammar, spelling, punctuation. Oi. Now, you have to understand... This is like the cops talking to you right now because I am, quite frankly, the punctuation police. What I do day in and day out is I write and it has to be clear. I mean, I'm writing a resume. People are not reading my material, you know, to help them go to sleep at night, an interesting novel. They're, they want me to create a document that will get them a high paying job. It's the stakes are high. So the first piece of that is the content, which we're going to talk about next. But the other piece of it is punctuation, grammar, and spelling. And I will tell you that when I review resumes that have been, quote unquote, professionally written by other people, so a lot of times folks will come to me unhappy with their product because they didn't, you know, they, they tried to get a $300 resume or, you know, something like that. And I can count Oh my gosh, I think one time I just decided, and I don't do this every time, but there are times when I just stop and I decide, you know what, I'm going to count the grammar, spelling, punctuation, and inconsistencies in formatting. So I'm not, I'm not counting as an error anything that I 
don't like the way they've written it. I think I could write it better. This sentence is awkward. I'm only counting mistakes that you could look up in, you know, like a grammar um, manual or a, a spelling, you know, a dictionary, and it would be wrong. And I think one recently, there was like 35 errors, in them. 35 errors in a resume. So again, I'm, I'm the punctuation police. So, you know, consider the source. If you do struggle with grammar, spelling, and punctuation, you may want to take a short course. Uh, you may, you know, you don't need a college credit course for something like this, although you could do that. But certainly look up things like LinkedIn Learning and uh, what is that... Um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but I know you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the online. Um, oh, like Udemy has courses and there's some that get, that get uh, marketed in my social media post where they're actual courses. So see what you can do there. And again, it's going to depend on where is your current level, right? Are you below average and trying to get this way up? Is it just, you know, I'm pretty good at it, but I want to get even better. What's the stake of me not getting better with it? So you kind of factor all that in. Does my, will my employer compensate me or, or pay or reimburse me for a course? All of that goes into consideration. Another suggestion for spelling, punctuation, grammar is read a lot. And it doesn't matter what, although I highly recommend that it's interesting to you because you'll read more. You just want to make sure it's well written. Although I have to say I've learned a lot from poorly written. Uh, I do tend to pull them apart. I don't read very long with those because I get uh, frustrated by the mistakes. But you want to pay attention to how they are, uh, you know, using punctuation and, and spelling and grammar. Another suggestion, do not depend on spell check. I feel like everybody knows that, but yet we don't. We still default to spell check. Something that I like much better, and if you don't have it installed on your computer, I highly recommend, and that's Grammarly. Because Grammarly will point out things and say, you know, this comma may not be necessary here. Or uh, they'll, they'll take three words and suggest one word in its place. Or they'll question... Uh, plural versus singular, those kinds of things. So Grammarly is going to come a lot closer to helping you create a document that is, you know, send worthy, if you will, than just spell check. Another suggestion is to practice writing, whether you journal or you, you discipline yourself to sit at your computer and write business memos or whatever it is, but you are actively writing and practicing. And then read your writing out loud because a lot of times when you read it out loud, you realize, especially with punctuation, it doesn't. The comma's in the wrong place or, or whatever. And, and another one I would say, and that's going to be true with both of these, is anybody that you can get to help you, uh, whether this is a mentor who is at your business, a mentor who is, you know, it could be your spouse who's really good with writing, doesn't work where you work, doesn't know anything about what you necessarily do for a living, but they know good writing. And so you could have someone who can give you feedback on your writing skills. Heck, you could even hire a college English major to tutor you for very little money, I bet. So there's lots of ways to get this done, but it is really important that you do get it done. So those are my suggestions for struggling with grammar, punctuation, and spelling. The next concept is if you struggle with clarity and structure in your writing. And in, in honesty, I should have probably put these in the, in the reverse order because the concepts 
need to come first. And then we want to make sure that we've spelled everything correctly, the punctuation and all of that. So if you struggle with clarity and structure in your writing, first recommendation is if the message is complex, outline it. So if you're, this is a really important message that you need to get across. There's multiple points. It's complex. It's very, the stakes are very high of getting it right. I would highly recommend outlining it. Then you want to get to the point as quickly as possible. I think I mentioned a moment ago about telling someone with a, with a communication, I tell them up front, here's what, here's what I want you to do with this. The, the, any, really any of the writing styles. Here's what I'm hoping you'll do. This is just FYI, or this is, I need your feedback on this and, and tell them what kind of feedback you need. So you want to make sure that you get to the point right at the beginning so that they're not, um, the longer that they have to read through, the, the greater the chance that they will either stop reading or misconstrue what it is you're asking of them. Next, determine the best method for conveying the message. Should it even be in writing? There's been a long-held belief that nothing negative should come through email. But as we know, the world is such that everything kind of comes through email. So it may be that you have to document performance issues that are negative or communicate, you know, some consequences of some actions. And this is the way your company does it. And then you put a copy of that in the file, whatever. So you may be conveying negative information. But I want you to think about is, is an email the best way to go? Or is it a memorandum? Does it need to be a white sheet? Is it a PowerPoint presentation? What's the best way to get the message across? Next, anticipate your reader's questions. And this, this really helps, I think, to when you can put the, the topic down, put the writing down and come back to it a few times. Look at it with fresh eyes. I can tell you as much as I write and I write for a living, I can pick up something that I think I have been very clear with. And then when I look at it with fresh eyes, I realize that I was not clear on the subject of what I'm writing about. I didn't, I didn't make it very clear that I was referring to whatever I was, I thought it was very clear I was referring to this, but it doesn't come across that way when I look at it with fresh eyes. So anticipate the reader's questions. Next, read it out loud. There's just something about hearing what you've written that really helps you to refine the message. Next, ask someone else to read your writing and tell you what they think you're trying to communicate. So again, whether this is a mentor, whether this is a colleague, whether this is someone who does not work at your company at all, but someone who has excellent writing skills who can give you that kind of feedback. Next, don't over explain. Don't beat the dead horse. I've gotten so many messages over the years where they just kept saying the same thing and it, it could have been a third the length that it was. Next, eliminate filler words and phrases in the editing phase. Now, the reason that I, I added that in the editing phase is that's where I catch my filler words. So when I'm writing a resume, for example, I'm writing in incomplete sentences, but written in first person without personal first person pronouns. So, and, and again, not complete sentences, although there's periods involved, but I'm not writing complete sentences and I'm not using personal pronouns but I'm writing it in first person minus the per personal pronouns. So I'm going to go through there and I'm going to eliminate filler words like the, a, it, maybe. I'm going to eliminate some of those kinds of words. And then phrases, I'm going to look at 
where have I said with three words something that could be said with one word? Where have I where have I said uh, I, I'm trying to come up with a good example and I'm I'm not uh, off the top of my head, but where have I used more words? And again, Grammarly can be really helpful with this because it'll pull, point out some of those as well. And then the next one is very similar, but you want to eliminate redundancies. Uh, I am frustrated beyond with people who say previous experience. Experience must be previous or it is not experience. So previous experience is redundant. Final conclusion is redundant. And then something like state of Florida, state of California. Well, um, unless it's a state, I, I guess with New York, maybe you might want to make it very clear, but I would, I would say New York state instead of state of New York, because there's a New York city as well, but I'm not going to say state of Florida. I'm going to say Florida. Next, go easy on the prepositional phrases uh, and, and which often then create passive voice. So if you say, you're writing and you say, was a reflection of, you could just say reflected. Instead of saying, of the results of the quarter, which is really awkward and long and passive, you could say, this quarter's results. So anytime you can eliminate prepositional phrases and get this thing into active voice, it's much better. Next, avoid padding weak words with adverbs. So if you're saying, it was mostly right, you could write, um, you know, so let's just say you were, you know, uh, you were commenting on a speaker. She was mostly right. Well, how about she had excellent points? And then you could say, however, I believe she missed the mark with. Another one would be instead of saying, please respond quickly, quickly being an adverb, be more specific with a date. Uh, please respond by end of business on Friday. Next. You may want to take a business writing course. I will tell you that one of the courses I had to take in my graduate degree was, I can't remember if it was called professional writing, what it was called. Anyway, she was a, a professor of English at the university. And that course was one of the hardest and one of the best that I got in my graduate program. And she, she was there were a lot of good things about that class, but she really pointed out those redundancies that have now become uh, very much the bane of my existence. So there may be a course like that. Again, this is a, was a credit course at graduate level, but there are undergraduate courses if you need that. And then there are also things like LinkedIn Learning, or we were talking about Udemy and some of those earlier. And then also you might want to get a business writing mentor. So we talked about earlier about someone who can give you feedback on your writing that could also, that person could also be a mentor to you who's a really great writer, or this could be two separate people. As with last week's episode, I want to bring this around to how to leverage this growth and these improvements for your promotability. And it's the same advice. So you want to start by having a conversation with your boss. And this could be in response to feedback that you've gotten from your boss, from someone else at work about your writing, or it could just be that you've identified that this is an area you want to work on. So you begin by sitting down with your boss and saying, here's an area I really want to improve. And the, the idea that I have to improve it is A, B, C, whatever it, whatever it is. What are your thoughts about that? So get their feedback. Do they think that this is a valuable goal, a valuable use of your time and possibly the resources from the company? 
And do they have any additional suggestions? What do they think about your plan of attack? And then whatever you need from your boss, you want to be very clear. We've been talking about clear communication. Clearly communicate to your boss what you need from him or her to make this happen. Is it approval to take a course? Is it release time? Is it, um, I'd like to take my lunch hour and instead of going to the cafeteria, I'd like to sit at my desk and do this online course that I'm taking, whatever it is. Next, you want to clearly communicate and regularly communicate your progress with your boss. So whether this is in your regular one-on-ones or just an email that you shoot off, just kind of those milestones that, that are appropriate to keep your boss in the loop. And then finally, you want to make sure that you communicate to your boss that you are doing this because you want to increase your chances for promotion, that you do want to be considered for a promotion at the appropriate time. So as you initially introduce this concept that this is what you want to do, this is the reason that you want to do it. And it also, when you do it that way, it would possibly elicit additional suggestions from your boss, he or she might say, oh, in addition to this, I think here's another area that you're going to want to work on. So you really promote it promotable. Um, so really keeping your boss in the loop uh, and, and getting them on side with this plan that you have for improving your communication. So I hope this has been helpful. Our two week uh, mini <laughs> sewed on communication skills. And I'll be back next week with something that has nothing to do with communication, but I don't remember what next week's topic is off the top of my head. So I will see you next week. And in the meantime, take care.